0: But we're going to finish this morning our series uh, that we're on called A New Season. And we're going to talk this morning a little bit about A New Mercy. Amen? A New Mercy. I was reading a story. There was a small town where a young man grew up and uh, became a magistrate in this small town. And uh, once he took over the bench, as judge... One morning came and uh, another man appeared for him. Appeared before him, a man who was a friend of his from his youth. This man had lost his way a little bit and uh, made some mistakes and now he came before his friend, the judge. So how many know the judge was watched very closely here because everyone knew that his friend was before him? They expected to ju- the judge to show some leniency on this man. They were surprised when the judge laid down the law on his friend, and he gave him the highest fine possible for the crime. They were further surprised that when the proceedings were finished, the judge sought out the court and the bailiff, and he reached in his pocket, and he paid the fine for his friend. How many know that though you were judged for your sin, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the greatest judge that there ever was and ever will be, actually paid your fine? Isn't it good to know that you have someone, the one who is able to judge you, the one who is able to sentence you, actually paid your fine for you? And I want to tell you this morning that that fine did not come at a small cost. The fine came at a steep cost. In fact, it cost your Lord his very life. But not only did it cost him his life, it cost him his precious blood. Come on, somebody. I was talking with my son the other day, and we were, we were talking about the resurrection, got on the subject of the resurrection, And he began to ask me some questions about Jesus and why he had to die such a horrible death. And I began to explain to him that the whole sin of the world, seven billion people in the world right now, all of that was on him. But not only that, all the people who had lived before Jesus manifest himself. Come on. But not only that, all the people that would ever come after Jesus. Do you know that should the Lord tarry and not come back this very day, people that are born tomorrow that don't even know the sins they will commit have already been forgiven. There's been made a way for them to already be restored before they are even born. Come on, somebody. That's what I call foresight. All you have to do is accept him. I can't think of a better time to end our series on a new season. We've defined a new season as simply this, a time or period created by God, characterized by a move of his spirit, having recently come into existence. You see it there. A time created by God. The catalyst for this time is a move of his spirit. We're in a new season. We are in a new season. How many know that after the Lord Jesus died on the cross, things seemed dark? Things seemed dismal. But oh, on the third day, when the stone rolled away, oh, it was time for a new season. A new season of grace. A new season of mercy. We've been looking at Isaiah, a good news translation of chapter 43, verse 18 says, But the Lord says, Do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch, he says, for the new thing that I am going to do. Ah, it is happening already. You can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams. Of water there. In other words, I create life where there is no life for you. It's a new season. If you have your Bible or your device this morning, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to talk a little bit about a new mercy that God is bestowing upon us. Book of Hebrews chapter 2 I am looking at the New King James version of the Bible. And the writer of Hebrews simply says this, verse 16. Says, for indeed, he does not give aid to angels. Now, I want you to listen to these words. He does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed Of Abraham. Come on. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, He is able to aid those who are tempted. He had to take his glorious essence and wrap it in a fallen flesh. He had to become like you and I. For there is no other substitute that would be able to atone for the sin of man. There is no other substitute that had so perfect a blood that would pay the price for you and I. Listen, I don't know if you've heard, but the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, come on, eternal life. Mercy is simply this. Webster defines mercy as a kindness or a help given to people who are in a very bad or desperate situation. A blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. How many have ever been in a very bad or desperate situation? Oh, come on. There are those of us who have been in that situation and didn't even know we were there. Come on. For if you lived a time without the Lord, you were in a bad and desperate situation and didn't even know that you were there. You were in a bad and desperate situation and the sad thing is the enemy pulled the wool over your eyes and my eyes that we didn't even know where we were. Didn't even realize it. I like to define mercy this way after reading scripture and seeing how God deals with his people. A biblical definition of mercy would be this. It is the quality in God that directs him to forge a relationship with people. How many know it's all about relationship with the Lord? To forge a relationship. With people who absolutely, listen to me now, do not deserve to be in relationship with him. I hate to break it to you this morning, but you and I do not deserve on our own merits to be in relationship with the Lord. But he has chosen to show mercy to you and I. Mercy. And if you would serve the Lord this morning, you would find yourself at the mercy of him. Holy in the power of his ways. To be at the mercy of someone means to be under their power with no way to protect yourself. That means you depend 100% and wholly on the Lord. The principal Hebrew word for mercy speaks of an emotional response to the need of others. How many know that God is all-powerful? He is moved and driven by faith, but he also has a filial love for you. That simply means that he has an emotion for you. He has empathy for you. He cares for you. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been, and he knows where you're going. It means to feel the pain of another so deeply that we're compelled to do something about it. God felt your pain. There is no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. There is no temptation. There is no pain. There is no offense that the Lord Jesus Christ has not felt. There is nothing that you have gone through or ever will go through that he has not felt. Come on. In fact, people in Bible times believe that the seat of emotion was found in the intestinal area. That's why the King James Version uses the bowels of mercy. It simply means way down deep inside, the bowels of mercy William Barclay defines mercy this way to get inside someone's skin until you can see things with their eyes, you can think things with their mind, and you can feel things with their feelings. To move in and act on behalf of those who are hurting. How many know there's a we should have compassion, and God has compassion on people, but there is even Uh, There is even a deeper-seated feeling that God has for you, and it's called mercy. It's deeper than compassion. It even goes beyond empathy. He knows your deepest, darkest secrets, your deepest, darkest hurts, your deepest, darkest emotion. He knows. And mercy has a question for you today. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? The one that created you? The one that breathed the breath of life in you? The one that has seen you fail and been there right to pick you up? The one that has felt your pain and seen your hurt? Who are you going to believe this morning? Are you going to believe the world that doesn't really care about you? Are you going to believe the lie of the enemy? Are you going to believe sin for it is at your door this morning? Come on. Or are you going to believe the one who has mercy on you? Lamentations three twenty two and 24 says this. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassion's Fail that. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. You see, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. I love what Joyce Meyer had to say about mercy. She said that I'm so glad his mercies are new every morning because I used up all the ones from yesterday. (laughs) Come on. And not only are they new every morning, they're everlasting. That means it will never end. You wake up in the morning, new mercy waiting on you. Before you've had it, now this will blow your mind. Before you've had a chance to do anything, before you've had a chance to do good or to do evil, a new mercy is waiting on you. Oh, come on. Oh, it's waiting on you. Mercy is calling out to you and saying, come to me, repent. Come to me, I'm waiting for you. Now it's not that God is expecting you to do something wrong. It's not that he wants you to fail or to sin. But should you sin, should you fail, you have an advocate with the Father. You have a great counselor. You have an intercessor. Come on. You have someone that the Father sees you through. That when you mess up, you are covered by the blood. A lot of people who grew up in church, have been around Christians for a time, learned church vernacular, One of the phrases that Christians use sometimes is plead the blood. I just plead the blood over this situation. A lot of times people use that and they don't even understand what they're saying. Understand what the blood is meant for. Somebody offends you a little bit, you're pleading the blood. Something doesn't go your way a little bit, you're pleading the blood. But Sometimes you got to go through some stuff. Come on. The only way to get to it is to go through it. Come on. But the blood covers your sin. The blood is for when you're in the miry clay, down in the muck. Come on, somebody. And you can't get out. You're trying to get out on the side of the wall. You can't get out because it's muddy and there's muck. Come on. But God in his mercy reaches down and brings you up. Out of the miry clay by his blood. Come on. He sets your feet on a rock. And he establishes things. That's what the blood is for. Plead the blood. Mercy has some benefits for us. Come on. First of all, mercy is all about forgiveness. Colossians 1, four says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In whom we have redemption. We have redemption through His blood. It is the forgiveness of sins. You see, forgiveness, like grace, is something that is impossible to earn. You can do nothing for it. All you can do is ask. That's all you can do. There is nothing you can do to earn forgiveness. And forgiveness is something we certainly don't deserve from the Lord. For if we deserved it, it wouldn't be forgiveness. If we deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. Forgiveness is simply a gift. But you have to ask for it. Forgiveness. For the wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You work hard your whole life for sin and your pension is death. You work hard your whole life without acknowledging God and in the end your reward is death. But if you would turn your eyes to Jesus oh if you would turn your eyes to him, you would discover that a life for Jesus is so far removed from a life in the world. You've got to understand that there is no in-between. God said in Revelation, there is no lukewarm. Don't be lukewarm. You lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. There's no riding offense. There's no balancing on the balance beam. One day I'm over here. One day I kind of believe God. I'll go to him when I'm really in trouble, but I live for sin over here. There's no balance beam in the Lord. In our world, there's a lot of gray, but in God's world, there's a lot of black and white. Come on. God said, I would that you be cold or hot. Stand for something or fall for anything. Mercy asks the question of you, who are you going to believe? But you see, what you've got to understand is that if you would give your heart to the Lord Jesus and then live for him every day, you would discover an abundant life. I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. For I am able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. And when you pray, believe that you receive what you ask. And you shall have it. That's the life I'm talking about. I don't know what life you were thinking about. You might have been thinking about a life that said, don't do this, don't do that. It's boring. All of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about an exciting life for the Lord. You want to live an exciting life? Live for the Lord. Try it. Try giving your tithe. Actually, you can't give your tithe. You owe that. Try giving above and beyond. Come on. Try being a giver one time. Try walking in mercy. Not just for you, but try displaying mercy for others and you'll see an exciting life for the Lord. Oh, forgiveness is a benefit. You are forgiven. Second thing is atonement. Now listen, atonement is a small word with a big meaning. And we certainly don't have time this morning, this week, or this month to talk about all of the impact of atonement. You see, Jesus' work on the cross was so multifaceted that it's impossible to describe all in one message. But one component of that work on the cross is his self-willing sacrificial death. We like to compare it to so many other things. We like to use uh, examples of, of Jesus on the cross, as I did this morning with the magistrate. But there's one main difference where that breaks down theologically, and that is that Jesus was self-willing. In other words, while you were yet in your sin, in other words, when you didn't realize that you needed a Savior, He was dying on the cross for you. While you are yet in sin, Jesus died on the cross. Self-willing sacrifice because he loved you so much. No one asked him to go to the cross. Come on. No one told him that he had to go to the cross to redeem his people. He said that my people have fallen. They have sinned. They have disobeyed me. Now I must go redeem them back talking about your lord and savior jesus christ come on i'm not talking about allah this morning i don't I'm, I, I might step on some toes i was gonna say i don't want to but yeah i do want to i'm not talking about allah i'm not talking about confucius i'm not talking about muhammad i'm not talking about buddha dead 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 and dead come on i'm talking about jesus who's risen he's risen this morning Atonement, Hebrews 9, 12 says, not with the blood of goats and calves, come on, insufficient. They can do it for one time only. What about tomorrow? Got to kill another goat, kill another calf, sacrifice another ox. But with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all. Come on. Having obtained eternal redemption. Oh, we have atonement. He is a propitiation. In other words, he stepped in. You were about to be killed, but Jesus stepped in. Nobody asked, You didn't even know he was there. Ready to accept death, but he stepped in. Come on. It's mercy. Mercy also gives you an assurance. God has given us a guarantee And along with that comes excessive confidence, an excessive confidence of his love and our salvation. There are so many things in this world to be unsure of, including each other sometimes. Come on. Maybe you've been disappointed in your life. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been offended. Maybe someone's let you down. I'm here to tell you this morning that God has the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Come on. 1 John 5, 11 says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. That's His testimony. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life benefits of mercy then what should be our response to mercy come on what should be our response Picture driving down the street and you see a stop sign. What should be your response? Come on, talk to me. Stop. Picture if you, maybe you're in Florida. Maybe you're in North Carolina. And you see on the news, it says a Category 5 hurricane is expected to make landfall in the next 24 hours. What's your response? Come on, it's not hard. Get out of there. Get in your car, drive somewhere else. Picture a sign as you walk through the woods and you look over at a body of water and you see a sign that says thin ice. What's your response to that? Don't walk on the water. Come on. Unless the Lord Jesus says, Come. Walking in the park and you see a park bench. You're tired because you've been walking and running. On the park bench, you see a sign that says, Wet paint. What's your response? <laughs> Don't sit on the bench. Seems like when it comes to responses to signs of the world, we can so easily find the correct one. But God offers mercy. And then what should be our response? It should simply be surrender. It should simply be surrender. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalms 136. God emphasizes his mercy so much. Psalms 136. I want to see if you can get the theme of this particular passage Of Scripture. See if you can understand the theme of it. If you have your Bible, maybe you have a device. I'm in the New King James Version. See if you might be able to tell what David is trying to say about the Lord in this passage of Scripture. He says, Oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy doers. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for... To him alone who does great wonders for... To him who by wisdom made the heavens for... To Him who laid out the earth above the waters, for? To Him who made great lights, for what? To the sun to rule by day, for? The moon and stars rule by night, for? To Him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for? And brought Israel out from among them for Oh, with a strong hand and with an outstretched arm for to him who divided the Red Sea in two for what? All right. We're about halfway through this passage of scripture. Now, I want to tell you something. God is a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. Am I right? When you're in trouble, you don't call up God and God says, well, I'm a little tired right now. Can it wait until tomorrow? I've been working. I was up all night watching the game. I cut the grass, and now I'm a little tired. Can it wait till tomorrow? No, he never sleeps or slumbers. I want to implore you this morning to not be tired on God. I want to implore you this morning to let him hear your praise this morning. Can anybody do that with me for about three minutes? Come on. But overthrow, overthrow Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea for what? Mercy to him who led his people through the wilderness for? The mercy to him who struck down great kings for? And slew great kings, for what? A heritage of Israel, his servant, for what? Who gives food to all flesh, for what? Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven for... Now give the Lord some praise this morning. His mercy endures forever. Oh, my God never sleeps or slumbers. Hallelujah. His mercy endures forever. Forever. I was talking to my daughter one day, and we began to talk about forever. And it kind of frightened her because we began to talk about how God is from everlasting to everlasting. He's always been. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat down and thought about that for a moment. God has just always been there. Think back as far as you can think, and he was there before that. Before the world, before everything was created, he was here before that. There was nothing before him. And then we begin to talk about when we go to be with the Lord. And it'll be one big long day. And after that, it'll keep going. And then after that, guess what? It's going to go some more. I don't know if you can comprehend how long forever is. But as much as you can comprehend it, realize that his mercy endures forever. Mercy asks a question, who do you believe? Who do you believe? I want to tell you something about the Lord Jesus this morning. Manifest manifests himself to that young girl. Most of the time when we think about Jesus, we are reminded of when he walked the earth. He was an example for us. How he walked the earth filled with the Spirit of God. But how he got tired. How he got hungry. How he was tempted, just like we are tempted. We think of him as limited. We see him on a picture. We have images of what we believe he looked like. That's why I really don't want us to have any images of Jesus. I know there's some that might be sacrilegious, but it's just me. It's a personal thing. Because Jesus is all things to all people. What you must understand is that Paul told the Corinthians this. He said, though we have known him in the flesh, we know him thus no longer. We no longer know Jesus by the flesh. We know Jesus today as a risen Savior, a risen King, seated at the right hand of the Father. That God may be all and all. So when you think of Jesus, don't just remember Jesus of the flesh. Don't just remember Jesus who had to go away to pray because he was tired. When the people went to the mount and Jesus ascended into heaven, they all looked up in wonderment. And the angel said, why do you look in wonderment? This same Jesus shall return to you. Now for years I pictured in my mind this same Jesus, this same Jesus that turned water into wine, this same Jesus that healed the blind man, this same Jesus that walked from here to there. But that's not the Jesus he was talking about. I don't want to blow your theology this morning, but that was a limited Jesus. That was a Jesus that had to come to be like you and I. When he said, when those angels said this same Jesus, they were talking about the resurrected Jesus. Come on, they were talking about the Jesus that had died on the cross, went into the grave for three days. He went down into Hades. Come on, somebody. Kicked the door in and he took captivity captive. Knocked on the door. Who is it? It's the King of Glory. Well, who is the King of Glory? It's the Lord God mighty in battle. And I come to take my own. He took captivity captive. Come on. And he rose again with all power. He said, all power in heaven and in earth has been given to me. And I have the victory. So you see, you serve an all-powerful Jesus. You serve the God of all creation. This same Jesus is the Ancient of Days. This same Jesus is Alpha and the Omega. This same Jesus is the Rose of Sharon. He is the Lion of Judah. Come on. This same Jesus is the Lord. I'm talking about the Almighty God this morning.